Welcome to Canadian Defence Focus from CDR Radio, produced by Canadian Defence Review Magazine. This series of podcasts features interviews with leaders and experts in the defence industry, as well as reports and profiles on the very latest in defence technology. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the CDR Radio podcast. I'm James Careless, Ottawa Bureau Chief with Canadian Defence Review, Canada's leading defence magazine. This CDR Radio podcast is sponsored by CAE. CAE represents 75 years of industry firsts, the highest fidelity flight, mission, and personalized training programs powered by innovation and technology. CAE digitalizes the physical world, deploying simulation, training, and critical operations support solutions. As the only principal Canadian-owned defense contractor, CAE currently trains all military pilots for the Canadian Armed Forces and in 2020 became the first Canadian aviation company to be carbon neutral. Visit CAE's website at cae.com backslash defense hyphen security. Once again on the CDR Radio podcast, we're speaking with the Honorable Anita Anand, Canada's Minister of National Defense, for our annual review of the major issues affecting D&D and Canada's military. The war in Ukraine, major defense procurements, and recruiting and retaining troops are just some of the issues on the minister's agenda these days. Hi, Minister Anand. Thanks for joining us on the CDR Radio podcast. There's lots to talk about, so let's jump right in. Canada has been supporting Ukraine by giving them armored vehicles, artillery, drone cameras, and winter clothing. How will the CAF replace those donations made from its inventory, and can we expect an uptick in procurement to replenish the equipment? Well, thank you for asking that question, especially because I was in cave last week and I saw the horrors and devastation of an illegal and unjustifiable invasion. And it is important now more than ever for us as allies to continue to be united. You're exactly right about extensive aid, over $1 billion of aid flowing from Canada to Ukraine in terms of military equipment. And the latest announcement entailed 200 armored vehicles taking our military support alone to even a greater level in terms of armored vehicles. I will say that at the same time, I am focused on making sure that the Canadian Armed Forces have the equipment that they need to protect and defend our country. And so we are also ensuring that we are procuring capabilities under our defense policy, strong, secure, engaged. In addition, we have a defense policy update that is forthcoming and that was announced in budget 2022. And so the additional work to ensure that we are providing for the Canadian Armed Forces is continuing. Now, recruitment and retention are major issues for the CAF, as they are for many military organizations. Where do we stand now in terms of getting new recruits and keeping the people we have? And what is the CAF doing to make itself a more attractive employer? We need to continue to grow the Canadian Armed Forces and attract new members so that it becomes a robust organization in the long term. The first important point is for us to create a Canadian Armed Forces where all members are protected and respected 
And I recently announced that all 48 of Madame Arbour's recommendations are being worked on and implemented in an effort to do that. In addition, we do have a reconstitution directive and a retention strategy, and those will be the pillars of the strategy for the Canadian Armed Forces to continue to recruit new members. And in addition, I will say that we announced in the fall that permanent residents will now be able to apply to be members of the Canadian Armed Forces. So we're taking now applicants from a very diverse and deep pool of talent. And we've actually seen thousands and thousands of applications from permanent residents in Canada. And this alone will make a substantive difference in terms of the applicants to the Canadian Armed Forces. So you can see that we're taking a very comprehensive approach to rebuilding and reconstituting the Canadian Armed Forces. And I'm really excited about the prospects for our institution. Now, do you think with the donations we've had to make and the challenges you're dealing with here, that we have the level of readiness we need to deal with the situations we're up against? We do have the level of readiness we need. And I will point, for example, to Hurricane Fiona. When that weather event hit the East Coast of our country, very early in that situation, we saw the Canadian Armed Forces being deployed to Eastern Canada. We are continuing to work to better address our readiness with our procurements such as the 88 F-35s that we are procuring. So let me say that while we are definitely working hard domestically and internationally to meet our obligations, we do see that there is more to do and we will continue to deliver modern equipment to the Canadian Armed Forces, such as the Canadian Service Combatants. Well, the Canadian surface combatant, like so many projects in Canadian procurement history, is having problems with major cost overruns. And last year when we spoke, you said the program was full steam ahead. Is this still the case? And what are we going to do about how the bills are piling up? It has been a focus area for us to ensure that the procurements that are contemplated in Strong, Secure, Engaged continue to develop and we are most definitely committed to ensuring that the members of the Royal Canadian Navy have the equipment that they need to protect Canadians, while at the same time ensuring the best value for Canadians. This project is a critical part of those efforts, and it is one that will help to revitalize the Canadian shipbuilding industry. It will generate over $30 billion in GDP, while also creating and sustaining more than 10,000 jobs over the next 25 years. I want to stress the importance of the economic benefits to the Canadian economy of this procurement. 
And those statistics hopefully do just that. Simply put, we need to deliver our sailors the equipment that they need to defend Canada. And yes, we will move ahead to procure a new fleet of ships for Canada while creating economic benefits and jobs for Canadians as well. And we will do that on the original schedule, not rethinking as some people have said, you know, delaying to try to reduce the costs. We are still in the design phase of this project and we are working to get it done as soon as possible. My approach is to be very pragmatic and ensure that we are delivering the best capability at the best price for Canadians. Speaking of price, and you touched on this, we've recently agreed to buy 88 F-35s at a cost of $85 million a jet, which is apparently the same price the Americans are paying. Do you feel this is a good deal for Canada and the right aircraft for the RCAF? We are, first and foremost, ensuring that our Royal Canadian Air Force has the equipment that they need to keep our country safe and to ensure that we are collaborating in an interoperable way with the United States and our other allies. We have to remember that this investment in the 88 Future Fighters is the largest investment in the RCAF in three decades. What was distinctive about this process is that it was a competitive and open competition. And it was the result of this robust process that the F-35 was chosen as the right plane at the right price for Canada. Eight of our allies already use this plane. And as I mentioned, it is so important from an interoperability standpoint. There are also significant economic benefits that will flow to this country as well. For example, the potential to contribute $425 million annually to GDP and close to 3,300 jobs for Canadian industry and supply chain partners. There are many more opportunities to come for Canadian industry as we build associated infrastructure and fighter squadron facilities, uh, for example. But rest assured, the result and the work that is to come is because of this competitive and open process that was run out of public services and procurement Canada. Now, on a personal note, you've been in office for over a year now. So how has your life changed since becoming Minister of D&D? I am spending every single day working to support the members of our Canadian Armed Forces and ensuring that they have the equipment that they need to protect Canada. At the same time, I am also working to provide Ukraine with the military aid that it needs to fight and win this war ever since Putin's further invasion, which began almost one year ago. And of course, I'm working day in and day out to build a more inclusive military where all members feel protected and respected by their own colleagues. In short, this file is extremely important for the future of our country, and it is a complete honor to be able to serve as minister during this time. One final question, which is really for our readers at CDR who are in the defense industry. 
If you had the ability to expedite one procurement project to the point of initial operating capability, which one would you choose and why? There are many extremely important procurements on the horizon for the Canadian Armed Forces under strong, secure, engaged. I'd have to say that it is impossible to pick any one of them as being more important than the others because the overall goal is to ensure that we are delivering for our soldiers, sailors, and aviators the equipment that they need to defend this country. I want to make sure that we engage with representatives of the defense industry in Canada and abroad. And so I'm going to continue to do that and to discuss opportunities to collaborate on scaling up production so that we can meet the security needs of Ukraine and continue to equip our own military with the tools that it needs to protect Canadians. So I will say that we're going to continue to engage to improve defense procurement requirements and enable industry to plan and innovate and offer creative solutions in a timely fashion. And I will leave no stone unturned as we continue to provide the Canadian Armed Forces with the equipment that its members need to defend Canada while donating aid to Ukraine to meet its urgent defense needs. I recently met with CADSI. I also recently met with the Canadian Aerospace Industry Association. And in short, engagement is crucial, especially during the course of our defense policy update And that's what we're going to be continually focused on so that we can make sure we are doing the very best job we can for Canadians and the Canadian Armed Forces. Well, thank you, Minister, for joining me today. Well, thank you so much. You've been listening to the latest in the CDR Radio podcast series. They are produced by Canadian Defence Review, Canada's leading defence magazine. I've been speaking with the Honourable Anita Anand, Canada's Minister of National Defence. This CDR radio podcast is sponsored by CAE. CAE represents 75 years of industry firsts, the highest fidelity flight, mission, and personalized training programs powered by innovation and technology. CAE digitalizes the physical world, deploying simulation, training, and critical operations support solutions. As the only principal Canadian-owned defence contractor, CAE currently trains all military pilots for the Canadian Armed Forces and in 2020 became the first Canadian aviation company to be carbon neutral. Visit CAE's website at cae.com backslash defense hyphen security. To hear more CDR radio podcasts, go to CanadianDefenseReview.com or find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify by searching CDR radio. To read the full interview with Minister Anand, please visit CanadianDefenseReview.com or pick up a printed copy of the magazine. I'm James Careless. Thank you for listening to the CDR Radio Podcast. Talk to you again next time. Tune in next time for another Canadian Defense Focus podcast from CDR Radio.